Aesop in California by Doug Hansen. This is the tortoise and the hare. Jack Rabbit beat his feet on the sizzling sandy desert like a drummer thumping a drum. Thump a thump a thump. The pounding drove Tortoise from his shady underground burrow. Tortoise blinked his little eyes. He saw the jumpy jackrabbit and a crowd of desert animals gathered outside. Jackrabbit stretched and showed off his muscles. I am from the famous hare family. Yesterday, I raced and beat the lizard, the kangaroo rat, and the roadrunner. He grinned, showing his big front teeth. I will beat you too, Tortoise. Your legs are stumpy and your shell is clunky. I challenge you to a race in the desert. When I race, I always win, win, win. Yes, my legs are short, replied the tortoise. But they are just right for me. They are for digging, not for racing. But I will race you now. If I win, I will go back to my shady burrow and you must let me sleep in peace. Jackrabbit laughed. The other animals laughed too. How could Tortoise ever beat Jackrabbit in a race? Burrowing Owl took charge. Attention! Start at the ch Chola Cactus. Go down the canyon and past the Palm Oasis. The first one to the Creosote Bush wins the race. Any questions? Ready? Get set? Go! Jackrabbit leaped from the starting line and showed off with some fancy zig Zag zigs through the canyon. Tortoise had taken only one step at the palm oasis. Jack Rabbit paused. That tortoise is as slow as a slug. He will take hours and hours and hours to get here. I can take a little, little nap in the shade and still win the race. Tortoise was used to long walks all alone. He passed through the canyon. He looked ahead at the oasis. There was Jackrabbit under a fan palm tree, asleep. Tortoise moved quietly by. He did not want to wake Jackrabbit and be teased about being stumpy and clunky. Tortoise could see the finish line and a crowd of waiting animals. They cawed and yipped, whistled and hooted. He was nearly there, but then Tortoise heard a drumming sound. Jack Rabbit was running after him at full speed. Victory cheers had awakened Jack Rabbit from his nap, but the cheers were not for him. Tortoise was almost to the Creosote bush. Why, why, why did I stop for that nap? Jack Rabbit gasped as he raced to catch up. Jack Rabbit stumbled, then bumbled, then tumbled across the finish line, but he was too late. Da -da. Tortoise had finished first and was strolling back to the, pl to the piece of his shady burrow. Da -da. What's the moral of the story? Slow but steady wins the race. The end. The Elephant Seal and the Kelp Fly from Aesop in California by Doug Hansen.
Seventy female elephant seals dozed in the sand on a sunny California beach. The female seals were called cows, but didn't look like the cows that live on land. These seal cows were smooth and golden gray, had big dark eyes, and weighed a ton. They cuddled close to each other, each one with a look on her face that was very much like a contented smile. I know there are seventy because I counted them all. Squeaked a, a busy little insect called kelp fly. <laughs> kelp fly had a good view of everything that went on at this beach because she was clinging to the highest place around, the huge. Droopy nose of a bull elephant seal. Bull was not pretty, but he was pretty big. Bull was bigger than all the cows and tougher than all the other male elephant seals. He weighed five thousand tons, five thousand pounds rather, as much as a car. A car. Bull could make amazing roars, snorts, and grunts that that through that great big nose of his. Sometimes Kelpfly was nearly blasted from her perch. Yes, it sure can be noisy up here, but what of you? She announced. No storms in sight today, reported Kelpfly in her tiny voice. It looks like the other male seal seals have finally learned to stay away from us, she told Bull. And the seventy cows look sleepy and safe. Okay, you can go. Kelpfly wasn't sure if Bull was listening, so she crept down to the tip of Bull's nose and waved two of her little red legs for attention. Attention, Bull! It looks like we have everything running smoothly here. If you need me, I'll be down at the kelp pile. Bull blinked in surprise, blew out a big snort, and rumbled, "Hmm, what did you say your name is, Kelp Pile? You say you are leaving? Well, go right ahead." I never noticed you before, anyway, so I guess I won't miss you when you are gone. Well then, I'll just leave right now," sniffed the tiny kelp fly angrily. "But you'll never find another fly like me!" And she darted away to help to the kelp pile. What's the moral of this story? Sometimes we think we're more important than we really are. The end. The Magpie and the Basket Bottle, from Aesop in California, by Doug Hanson. A magpie hunted and pecked at the dry Central Valley dirt. Magpie was used to foraging for grasshoppers or acorns, but today she needed water. A plain of dry grass blazed yellow in the summer sun, but there was not a tree or bush in sight to signal water. I must find water, or I will die," thought Magpie, and then all my magpie friends will be sad. Magpie met an antelope squirrel and asked, "Squirrel, where can I find water?" Squirrel said, "Try the rock," then dashed down, back down her burrow. Magpie went on, "Oh, here is a lizard. Maybe he knows which rocks have water." Lizard only hissed, "Find the painted rock," and disappeared into the grass. There was a clump of dark rocks in the distance. As Magpie got closer, her sharp eyes saw marks, patterns, and pictures there. The painted rock. Magpie knew that people must have painted these designs. 
and Magpie hoped that people had left behind some water too. Magpie thought she could smell water, but where? In the shade of the rock, Magpie found a tightly twined basket. It was shaped like a bottle with a little bit of water way down in the bottom. Water at last, she rasped. Magpie rushed to dip her beak into the water, but her beak was too short to reach it. If she tipped the bottle over, all of the precious water would spill in the dirt. How could she get it? Magpie tilted her head this way and that as she thought about a way to get to the water. Clever Magpie found a little stone and dropped it plunk into the bottle. The water rose a bit higher in the basket bottle. With her sharp eyes, she found more pebbles and little things people had left behind. Magpie dropped each small object in the bottle, plunk, 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 and each time the water rose higher. Finally, the precious water was near the top of the basket bottle. Magpie poked her yellow bill in and drank and drank. She had never tasted anything so refreshing. Magpie would never forget the trick she had learned. And what's the moral of the story? Necessity is the mother of invention. The end. The Grasshopper and the Ants from Aesop in California by Doug Hansen. Once there was a grasshopper that was pleased by everything he saw. When Grasshopper looked at the spring and summer grasses around him, he saw a juicy green meal. When he looked at tangled weeds, he saw his playground. And when he looked at the wildflowers, he saw a pretty place to perch and make his scratchy leg music. If you asked Grasshopper how to make leg music, he'd say, just rub your hind leg on your hind wing to make a chur 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 sound. It's easy if you are a Grasshopper. Grasshopper enjoyed watching the ants working busily on the ground below. From his perch, he joked with the ants, why do you ants work so hard? There is food all around. I know how to enjoy life. Just do what I do. Relax and chew, make some music, and look at the view. Some of the ants were carrying seeds and bits of leaves to their underground storerooms. They said, yes, there is food all around, but it makes sense to save plenty for later. Other ants brought sand and pebbles out of the burrow and kept the ant mound tidy. They said, we like our work. Look what a big mound we have made and our tunnels go far and deep. One day, the sky turned gray and the earth grew cold. There were no more flowers or green grass for grasshopper. The chilly winds scattered the dead leaves over from summer. Most of the ants were busy inside their mound but one ant stayed outside on lookout duty. Her job was to warn the other ants if she found any horned lizards nearby. Instead, the scout found Grasshopper hungry and stiff with cold. Please give me something to eat. I think I'm starving, big Grasshopper. Why should we share with you, said the scout. 
You played all summer while we worked. Can you name just one thing that you did for us? Grasshopper whispered weakly. What about my leg music? Surely my scratchy music made your work just a teeny bit easier? The ants agreed that Grasshopper was the only insect around who made music for them. So they decided to share a teeny bit of their food with the musical Grasshopper. And he promised that next year he would work first and play later. What's the moral of the story? Prepare today for the needs of tomorrow. The end. The Little Crab and His Grandmother from Aesop in California by Doug Hansen. Little Crab liked to play on the rocks at the sandy, splashy, salty seashore. Grandmother Crab crouched in the seaweed and watched him. She kept a sharp eye on Little Crab. Grandmother, watch me run. He scampered to the left and he scampered to the right. That is no way for a crab to walk, said the grandmother sternly. Look straight ahead and walk forward. Yes, grandmother, said Little Crab. He was always a good crab and wanted to please his grandmother. Little Crab looked straight ahead, but when he tried to walk to the front, he went sideways instead. You know better than to walk like that, snapped grandmother. It seems that every animal in the tide pool knows how to move properly, except you. The sea slug swims along in a graceful ripple. Starfish creep smoothly along in a thousand, on a thousand tiny tube feet. And the limper, well, the limper is smart enough to just sit still. Now mind me, little crab, and do as I say, sniffed grandmother. Poor little crab, he tried again, but his five pairs of legs would only take him sideways. Grandmother crab was so mad she looked even crabbier than usual. She waved her claws in the air and said, I'll show you how it's done. Then she got up on her pointy toes and said, this is how a crab is supposed to walk. Grandmother crab took one step and then, and then she went sideways. <laughs> Little crab had good manners, so he did not laugh or say one word to grandmother. Grandmother tried to keep her dignity and sputtered, well, I suppose we crabs may choose to go sideways if we want. And so they did. <laughs> so the moral of this story is practice what you preach. The end. The Prospectors and the Bear from Aesop in California by, by Doug, Doug Hansen. Two tired prospectors dropped their work tools on the ground. Clunk. Late afternoon in the rocky, rugged gold country was a time to return to camp. Soon the mountain valley would be in shadow. One man wore a tall top hat. I hope tomorrow is the day we find gold, said Top Hat. The other man had a red vest with many patches. We'll just stick together until we get rich, said Red Vest. That's what friends do. The two men had not been in the wild country for very long. So when their path led them into a blackberry thicket, they stopped to pick some. They didn't know that grizzly bears like blackberries too. Sure enough, a grizzly bear rose from the blackberry patch and made a startled noise. Woof! Berry juice dripped from his long claws 
and from his fearsome jaws. Up on his hind legs, Grizzly was taller than the tip of the top hat. Both frightened men yelled, Climb a tree! But there was only one tree nearby. Redvest got up the tree first. Help me get in the tree with you, cried Top Hat. Sorry, friend, said Redvest. There's only room for me. With no other place to hide, Top Hat squirmed into a hollow log. He lost one boot and his hat. Grizzly sniffed the log. He sniffed Top Hat's feet. The feet did not smell sweet. The bear tried the other end of the log. It's all over for me, thought Top Hat. He's going to bite off my head. Grizzly put his huge muzzle close to the man's ear and whispered. Then the bear disappeared into the forest to search for a less crowded berry patch. Top Hat crawled out of the log. He was surprised to still have a head. He pulled on his boot and he put on his crushed hat. He was angry because Redvest hadn't shared the tree. Redvest climbed down from the tree. He felt ashamed, but also curious. It sure looked like that grizzly was whispering in your ear, but bears can't talk. Well, that bear could talk, Top, Top Hat replied. And he told me to find a new friend. <laughs> and the moral of the story is, adversity is the truest test of friendship.